So uh, everyone, welcome back to the Midlands Rugby Podcast after a few weeks off unplanned um, because I was boozy and Phil was injured. But Phil, how are you doing? If you're, if you're on camera, you can see a slight thumb at the bottom of Phil's screen. Some of that was penis. But Phil, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. A little bit frustrated. Um, it's been a rough few weeks, personally. Um, I've got a, I've got a story for you later on, but um, yeah, broken thumb, potentially season over, which Nick's delighted about, and then, <laughs> um, and yeah, we'll hopefully get back with a few games right at the end. If not, do a bit of NLD or something. Well, there's always the NLD. There's always the NLD, and as you hinted to, we've got Nick. Nick, how are you? Yeah, well, thanks. Good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so for those who don't know Nick, uh, Nick's been playing rugby for a while, as he's hinted to. He's, he's nearing the 250 mark of league appearances this year. But Nick started at Caldy, played at Newark as a back row until he was 18, then moved to Scunny, uh, where he still is at, uh, playing second in back row. Um, he's also had some holidays away to Sandal. Um, and and knew it pretty well. Sandals not really a holiday. I mean, misses from Wakefield. It's fucking disgusting. But um, <laughs> playing in and around. But Nick, uh, let us know what what's keeping you playing rugby, getting near the two hundred and fifty mark. Um. Yeah, I mean, I've obviously been at Skinny since I was, um, you know, eighteen, and they are a bloody good set of lads up there. And um, you know, there's a lot of my mates that I've played with for a long time that have. I've moved out. Um, you know, I play with my brother every week, which I'm sure you know you must play with your brother for a while, Phil, or I have in the past, and it's quite a nice bond, isn't it? Playing on the pitch with your brother sometimes quite frustrating, but um, <laughs> yeah, you know it, that that's something nice as well that you know family come and watch, and it, it's a good bond to do that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just very conscious that you're a long time retired, um, and I also always personally never wanted to be one of those people in the bar going. I could have, I, you know, I could have played at this level or whatever. Um, I always wanted to kind of keep pushing myself for as long as I could. Yeah, I mean, for what I, I played with my brother, but he's four years younger and ginger, so I was always going to be better. Um, but Phil, do, do, does it resonate with the frustration, but still a nice feeling? Yeah, me and Nathan actually haven't played together that much. Um, so when I was 17, I had about six or seven games for Pavs. Uh, with Nat, and then he might have played one or two since I've come back, but he shouldn't have really, and, and probably didn't want to either. So, um, no, I haven't played with Nat that much. It was fun when we were doing it when we were younger. We have played against each other though. That was that was quite entertaining. Um, when I was up at Durham playing Durham County, and Nat was playing for NLD, we faced off number eight against each other, which was a which was a good afternoon. Game finished twenty five all as well, which was it was a bit of a bit of a thriller but um yeah I haven't played with him too much but yeah it's quite a nice thing to play with family you know I do play with Theo weekly but you know he's not actually a family member yeah, weird family tree shit we won't go with that um <laughs> Nick what position did you both play uh so he's a seven really but he's been um playing 13 all season um I mean I, I think they'll say a 13 is like an extra seven on the field anyway aren't they all the good ones so well, yeah okay. Yeah, gluing well, the defence together out there. Although, given our league possession, some would say probably not doing too great a job. But, uh... <laughs> Phil, and and just for reference, Phil, what's a, what's a, is 12, uh, 12 and eight? Twelve and eight are the five? same, aren't they? So it's that's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Phil would always tell us we got promoted with him at twelve, which 
<laughs> it's ruining for actual centres. If you look at the state of Phil running around. I can't imagine 13 saw a lot of ball if uh, Phil was at 12. Yeah, it was Doug Billum, so we yeah. both got very sticky hands. So it wasn't really... Uh, the wingers had a terrible season. <laughs> a lot of weight. <laughs> Still on the sideline. Um, obviously, you're, you're at Scullet Minute, same league as Pavs, but for those who aren't in our little nice Midlands bubble, how has the season gone for you so far? Um, yeah, so honestly, we were talking a little bit earlier. It's um, we had a really tough start to the season. Um, you know, a couple of real narrow losses at home, um, clacking in early on. Um, there was only kind of like Driffield at home where we got blown away. Um, but then you know, we had a player red, our captain got red carded. So you know, there's there things like that that we always felt we were in the mix. Um, our coach then fell down the stairs and detached his retina. Um, so he was out of action for eight weeks. So that was kind of then, you know, it's just felt like a bit like the perfect storm, particularly when you're coming into another league. Um, having been in like the Midlands League for what seemed like forever. Um, so yeah, we've got players coming back from injury now, and we kind of probably conversely to the fortunes Pavs are having at the moment, we feel like we're starting to get players back and put a bit of form together um, and, you know, getting some depth in the team. Um, but we were, you know, kind of there pre-Christmas and like you guys said, you know, narrow losses. We lost to Bridgie away, which we should have won. Our number eight, who's one of our best players, uh, his missus went into labour before kickoff, so he had to clear off and, you know, this thing's like... Selfish. I know, yeah. Women don't understand. Saturdays are for rugby. Well, I did. I did try and point out it should have been a fine for being on his phone before the kickoff because if he'd well, never got the message, you never would have known. Well, exactly. Of course, he could wait eighty minutes and then gone and found a child. Be fine. Uh, how how is your coach? Yeah, he's he's all good now, Robbo. Um, yeah. Back on the men slowly. So uh, that's yeah. fine. So it's. Uh, I was going to make a bad pun about the blind leading the blind, but if wow. he's fine, it's not as funny anymore, is it? No, <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, his vision's still very affected in one eye, so it, I'm sure it would have landed. To <laughs> um, so I know we're we're Midlands rugby pod, but how has it been? I know how my how our lads have found it, but how has it been playing against these big Yorkshire lads for the last however many months? Yeah, I mean, I uh, kind of a lot of lads in our league have said they thought it was um, better standard. I think the teams at the top are definitely, you know, kind of the they're way and above a lot better. Um, I think in the Midlands League, though, there was still some... I, I think personally, the Midlands League almost felt a bit more physical. There's definitely a lot more rugby played and better rugby probably played in the in the North League we're in now. Um it, for me, it's quite enjoyable. I went to university in Sheffield, so I've got a lot of friends and as I said, you know, had a bit of time at Sandals. So for me, it's been nice to kind of catch up with lads that I've known for a long time that are playing at different clubs. Um, but adversely then, you know, you miss out on catching up with people at Sandbatch, you know, who I've known for a long time over there and stuff. And I know they've been transferred across, but um, yeah, it's, it's been nice to have a new challenge. I think we said earlier though, like Annick away and Billingham away have not been enjoyable for anybody. Yeah, yeah. If you if you were to pick, would you not obviously you kind of finish, but would you stay in the, the north north leagues or would you go back to the Midlands for your preference of your style of, of, of play? Um I, I I personally would prefer to stay in the league I'm in, I'm in at the moment. I found it a lot more challenging. Um and I think it's difficult because I suppose, like I said, I, I played there in the Midlands League or Nat 2 for pretty much all of my 
time at Scunthorpe. So it's nice to have a, a bit of a new change after 13, 14 seasons. So my preference would be to have another challenge at that again next year, I suppose. What about yourself, Phil? Um, uh, yeah, I'd prefer to go back to the Midlands. It's a bit different, isn't it? To be fair, at Scunthorpe, you've only got to cross the Humber Bridge and you're, you're in Yorkshire. You know, it takes us an hour to get to level with those lads on uh, latitude or longitude or whatever which one is. Uh, <laughs> Fucking the, ge- the geographer's back. One of, one of the two. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think for us, Midlands is probably better in terms of travel. Um, rugby's been, it's been a bit different. Um, we've had a very different squad all year, but... Like Nick was saying, I don't think I don't think this league's as physical. I think there's some better rugby teams and better rugby players in it overall. But um, I've, I felt less dead on a Sunday morning this year than I have in previous years. That's for that's for sure. How have you found the standard of officiating in contrast? Are we allowed to? Oh, go absolutely there? diabolical. The 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 refs in Yorkshire <laughs> have not done themselves justice with regards to playing by the laws promoted by the RFU. So good luck to Yorkshire when it comes to tackling below the waist next year. Yeah, I, I I concur with that. I found that the biggest adjustment is just yeah the standard of officiating is is different. It's the politest way of putting it. Yeah, I mean, we had an NLD ref for the first time in ages this weekend. And the game, you know, we, we played Billingham at home. So we didn't expect to get much out of the game, but at least the ref refed it relatively as we're used to. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it makes a huge difference. We went up to, we went up to um, York the other week and we just, we just got refed off the park. I mean, York, Deserved to beat us, and we let in some soft tries early doors. But the ref gave us nothing, <laughs> and and York were even saying things like, "Don't you dodge would talk to him like he doesn't give anything. He likes the home team, so you just kind of think, oh, what's the point?" But yeah, I think to be fair, a lot of the northern teams have said to us as well that they don't think no, they're no. up to scratch in their region. Um, Ilkley and. Um... The ref effectively called the game ten minutes early because he said he was going off the time on the scoreboard, um, and we were like, "But that's not been stop start." Um, and he was like, "Oh yeah, but it's you know." And he was like, "They're they're keeping it." And he was, we were like, "But who is?" And he was like, "Well, Ilkley." And we we're like, "Yeah, but you're supposed to be independent. You can't ask the home team to keep time." Um, and we lost what twelve seven, I think it was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. oh, so the extra minutes were important as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, again, we got pinged off the park breakdown. You know, we went in clearly, clear lift. You know, you're looking round, and we we're getting penalised for hands in the ruck. They seemed to just enter a ruck, and it was a penalty against them, against us. Sorry for holding on. So the consistency, is, you know, as you touched on, Phil, you know, the home teams definitely get favoured. I think. Yeah, I, I think so, and, and it, is, it is frustrating, but suddenly you can't play without a ref. Um, Going, I mean, this this is very sceptical of everything Yorkshire. And like I said, my missus is from Wakefield. <laughs> but do you, is, is, do we know that's the same across the league, as in if it's a Yorkshire side versus a Yorkshire side, it's the home team preference? Or is it just the fact that it's a different brand of rugby coming into it and they, they just don't know how to deal with the brand of rugby that we try and play down in the Midlands? 
I think I think it's a uh, a sort of a Yorkshire thing. Okay. I think they they don't ref the same as what we're used to in the Midlands. That's for certain. But I also think that they just might just not have the refing capabilities in that area. I think you know it's it's you know. I think we are quite lucky in the middle. We've got a lot of good refs flying around and refs that really want to go far in refing and therefore are trying to prove themselves at sort of level five to get to level four and into the you know nat one and championship level. I, from what I understand from having common multiple conversations with coaches across the northeast is they don't have that as much. And right. anyone who is good shoots up the ladder because they need to fill level four, level three quicker in that area yeah because um, i was quite astounded looking at people who've moved up into nat 2 that were refing in the midlands league last year that you wouldn't necessarily have said oh they were a standout referee and they've been quickly pushed up the pyramid so it shows how d- desperate the need is further up um you know and and you know everybody can have their off day and it's not okay but you felt like some were probably a bit more persistent with having off days than others. Um, and they've kind of been fast-tracked quite quickly. So, yeah, I, I, I certainly think it is just a home team thing. Um, but, yeah, as is the Midlands side, clearly haven't adjusted or necessarily got the rub of the green in contrast to the kind of Yorkshire teams. And you almost see that, though, because, you know, they're on first-name terms with a lot of the people there. And, you know, that that that's to be expected. Uh, yeah. And maybe that's, you know, first season... And, and the learning curve moving forward if, if we would stay in that league. Yeah, definitely. And you, you'd pick that up quickly and you have to sort of, your team has to earn the uh, respect of the referees as well, I suppose. You know, like you say, Scunny have been in, were in that Midlands level five for yonks and we were in the Midlands level six for years and we did have these relationships and, and now you move, it, it does make a huge difference and there's nothing you can do about it to be honest you have to sort of suck it up and get on with it there is a bit but it is interesting is it when you you look at and I mean we, we've already spoken about some of the RFU decisions off off record but where they they want to level out a consistency but if they're actually using that consistency between refereeing then that is that is potentially a major issue because if we're coming into these new cup periods like they're doing now after the end of the league when you, you could potentially be playing teams from the London areas and things like that, then it depends who's referring to depends who could massively influence the game depending where they're from. Because if we, if one of us, Pabs or Scunny or, or Ilkley or anyone like that get a, a team from London, if it's a ref of Yorkshire persuasion as per se, then that can massively sway in that in that team's favour. Okay. So I think it's quite interesting. So uh, again, this National Cup thing, I think is on its arse with the weather we've had <laughs> in December. So are we your last game, Nick? No, we've got to play Sandal the week after. Yeah, so we've got Bridgeford the week after you. So we're not finished till the 24th or 25th, whatever it is, of March. I think that's meant to be the first weekend of the National Cup. Yeah, it is. So we're not going to be playing in it. You're not going to be playing in it. Sandal aren't going to be playing in it. Bridgeford aren't going to be playing in it. I think there's two other teams playing on that day as well. So that's six teams out of our league that won't be playing in the National Cup. I mean, speaking to our coach, he's obviously of the opinion that the RFU, depending on how the league pans out, may just those last one or two, depending on how the league's shaping up, null and void the fixtures if they don't need to be played in, to facilitate the cup. 
brilliant great yeah yeah it, it i mean yeah the, we it's obviously decision makers being decision makers but it's interesting because i mean the league i mean cups are cups are great i mean you probably had success in cups we've had success in cups and it's great fun but actually i mean we're we're, we're probably frowning upon that a little bit more because we get to face bridgeford to a obviously 20 minutes down the road and it, it's a bit of a different type of thing but to, to have the whole cup set up, I kind of get the logic behind it before any rugby's played but to not have any break or to, to let lads have at least one or two weeks off with the potential that it might rain or get really cold in December and, and January in England is <laughs> somewhat beyond me. It's just been really badly organised, hasn't it? Like, they, they didn't actually organise the cup competition till November or December. No. So you're already into the, you're already into the season by then and then um, you know, NLD then have to organise the NLD Cup in and around this other cup. So technically, we could be playing rugby still in April when the fixture list said everything was done by the 11th of March. 11th of March. So yeah. all our lads have booked holidays through late March, April, May. You know, so the NLD stuff obviously is in May this year, and we've got different things. So it's level five and below, which is where we play. So NLD have got a bit more of a chance in that. But um, it's just like last minute organising everything. The RFU just, just don't seem to care about community rugby. It's always this last thought in terms of when we're going to organise fixtures, when we're going to organise league systems. Oh, we're just chucking this cup sponsored by a shit pizza place. Whoa, 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 hang on. Calm your shit. Their chicken wings are fucking amazing at Papa John's. Yeah, but that's not what I'm going to Papa John's for, is it? <laughs> that's, why I'm, that's why I'm glad you're wearing the cup for the Papa John's. <laughs> I've heard there's a discount code, Phil. Oh, That's is it? Cool. Oh, no. There, there is well, that'll help because I promised Theo if we win a game in the Papa John's Cup that I'll buy him a pizza. So I'll be using that <laughs> discount code to... Uh... Amazing. I mean, I've seen the, the Cup work. The first year I was at Skinny, we got through to the final and we had a trip to Twickenham, um, which, you know, as a 19-year-old lad was awesome. Um Unfortunately, we drew Hartbury College in the final. Uh, <laughs> lost six to seven and ten, and they had like Richard Barrington, Tom. Here's an effectively professional club. Yeah. Uh, was that was that Tom Jarvis's year in that? Uh, Paul Jarvis, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Oh, Paul was playing, not Tom. No, no, yeah, Paul. Oh. Uh, he, um, I mean, you'll probably remember back in the day we had our Kiwi winner Woody, um, and he just ran around Woody four times to score. And we were just like. <laughs> Right, that's our best player. What do we do now? <laughs> I came on at I came on at eight at nineteen, and um, my opposite cap, had, my opposite number had like played at the ninety nine World Cup for Wales and had seven caps or something. <laughs> and I just remember uh, Robbo's pre match team talk was like, "Look, they're going to be a bunch of students, so they'll be good out wide, but they'll be pretty soft up front." And they were just all absolute monsters. Yeah. <laughs> I I played against them for two years in that one and we beat them first game of the season in their first year in that one and we were like oh they're, we cr- they're crap like they're all soft students and then we played them last game of the season that year and they scored 65 points at us their winger <laughs> got their winger got like six amazing <laughs> and amazing. they went and enjoyed Harlequins the next year yeah. you've both gone from that level and now you've got Jim Reese and playing eight in your absence Phil I mean what a, what a change uh, what a change it's a disgrace it's an absolute disgrace <laughs> Um, so talking about RFU decisions that none of us align with, Nick, one of the first times we, we spoke to you properly uh, was just after the RFU decided to announce 
they've not looked at every community rugby game in about 15 years. And by that, I mean lowering the tackle height. Um, we spoke a little bit before I pressed record. Um, but what, what's your what's your initial thoughts on uh, on the, the law change? Um, I just think it's the kind of lack of consultation they've had with any grassroots level. Like, to me, concussions are happening, but, I, you know, it's the real... On TV is where you're seeing the real horror challenges week in, week out, where people are getting knocked out and, and badly. Mm. Um, you know, I haven't seen a challenge of that ilk and certainly any of the injuries I'm seeing that are causing concussions are people diving in and around the knees or catching a hip or something like that, which yeah. kind of flies in the face of lowering the tackle height. You know, the, the scrag tackle or seat belt or, you know, attempted choke tackle, I haven't seen any concussion injuries. Um and I've, you know, I watched the bit on BT Sport, which was really informative, and I understand um, the kind of zones that they've put out. But as they say, you then go into an amber or a red zone when you then below the waist. So that just completely flies in the face of of what they're doing. And in a sport where participation numbers are dropping off a cliff off the back of COVID, um, I just think it's a real move that is potentially, in my personal opinion, could kill the community game dead. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it almost feels, and this is being very pessimistic as, as I am when it comes to the FUB, it almost feels like a, we can't be bothered, so let's make it as difficult as possible it is for, for people to continue to play because I've had people that actually only are the 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 blue jeans, brown bro wearers to Twickenham go, you're, you're not going to enjoy rugby next year if that's the case, are you? And I've gone... I know you know fuck all about rugby, but actually you're right. It's, for someone who is 19, nearly 20 stone, six foot, two and a half, three, bending at the waist to hit a number nine in the tackles, it's just not, it's just not, it's just not possible. And it, it's it's not something that I ever want to have to to retire from playing rugby for. But actually, like I said before recording, if if it means I can't play a game without being concerned about giving away penalties and, and getting Simba in the stuff because well, I think they say sternum, isn't it? Sternum's the amber zone, but below the sternum, kind of go, there's not many times in a game I've been that far. Even even in a ruck, I can't be bothered to get that low. <laughs> to me, the danger always occurs in rugby is when you're second-guessing something or you're going in something yeah. half-fast. And all you're going to do is everybody's thinking long and hard about where they're hitting each time they go to make a tackle. Whether it's a concussion or whatever injury, that's where people are going to get more injuries because they're going to be tentative going into something when somebody's thundering in full tilt. Um, 100%. And I think all three of us can probably comfortably say tackling in a minute, you don't really have to think, we don't really have to think about what we're doing. We've done well, it. We've been years. Yeah, it's muscle memory, isn't it now? Yeah, exactly. We know, we know exactly what we're doing. And 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 we, I've spoken in conversations before and, and a lot of people have agreed that actually bring it in, but bring it in at under 16's level or under 15's level working from that level. So actually, when it gets to seniors, it doesn't actually need to be a law. It's just people attacking techniques a lot better. We're not going to be there when these 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds are playing senior rugby, so we're not going to take the head off. But if it's a natural thing, it's different. But when it's an enforced rule change, uh, law change, sorry, it, it's it's damaging, massively damaging. And just announce it, announcing it in January, where you've got six months to prep before the end of the season, uh, of which 
you are not giving coaches and like with all due respect a lot of the coaches will have badges that are you know coaching at our our level but are not going to be people who have played game in a long time so they're not necessarily going to be people who are teaching you textbook tackle technique at training because you just don't have the time to be going through that do you when you're there on a Tuesday Thursday um and to announce it in January to say effectively that will come into effect from July. Um, I know it's going to be next season, but effectively by the time clubs roll around. So you're giving them six to seven months to then prep that. And go away and learn it in summer when the ground's rock hard and you shouldn't be doing contact <laughs> yeah. anyway. Yeah. yeah. Watch how many more concussions you get with people smacking yeah. their head on. But it's, it's really interesting. If you, I think one of the first articles that came out from the RFU, I've just pulled it up on my screen now. It, it talks about sort of obviously we're going to be tackling below the waist. The aim is to put players' heads in the safest possible place by defining a law where the line of tackle may start. And then it says a greater focus on the actions of the ball carrier. So now they're also going to stop ball carriers from dipping or like carrying the ball different. So basically, you run upright as hard as you can. <laughs> you, you pump your knees into that head and see if you're in a safe position. And then yeah. one of the one of the things that they use to like persuade that it's a good idea so they've been doing this in the french level three or four and below and um the, the report they've given is there were 63 percent less head-on-head contacts oh yeah well, of course that's, that's not the problem <laughs> we're not, knocked yeah. out doing it <laughs> it's and you can't take the french lower leagues as gospel anyway they get off the pitch at half time for a fag and a fucking baguette. You can't well, use that. <laughs> so, like level three of France is just fight club. It's, it is ridiculous. it's just a pissed scrap every fucking game. And by my understanding, the laws they brought in were you're allowed were only allowed to make one man tackles. Yeah. Yeah. So you could only one person get off the line and hit him around the waist. They talked about on that BT sport thing about how the issue is two people making low contact, low tackles and coming around and colliding heads as well. That's what me and Stevie did away at Heath. <laughs> and I think, like, I think when they posted the data of how much the concussions were lowered, it was like three or four percent. But yeah. then scrapped the trial in the champ, didn't they? Because and I appreciate they were flitting from one rule in the champ to then when they were playing in the cup. It was the cup, yeah, that's right, yeah. But People would they would just said the concussions went through the roof, so they ditched it. So and that's at full, I know full time, probably back then a lot more champ clubs were full time than they yeah. are now. Um they couldn't get it right. So how are they expecting amateur right. clubs to get it right? And it, and it wasn't just the fact that they were getting more concussions. The way that everyone was doing things was changed. So like lads were carrying the ball in a different way to avoid people from tackling them. So they were dropping their hips and lowering their shoulder height and stuff like that. And that's where the, all the danger comes. And that, although you can say, like, we'll have a greater focus on the ball carrier, doesn't mean that there's going to be any rule on it. No. no. But it's like, uh, and we'll move on in a second to somewhat of a lighter note, but uh, uh, perhaps we've just had, we've just been lucky enough to start up our, our fourth team or, or horns where we've had 30 lads come and uh, a majority of them are, uh, at the the older age of social rugby, and many of them have never played before, but they're probably not realistically in a competitive game going to be able to bend at the not bend at the they can bend at the hip, but they're getting low is is so it's almost it's almost putting the rug under their feet from something they've just started to love to go. Oh, actually, you're not built for this because the law changes mean that this isn't for you. This is a young man's short man's sport now. 
and effectively gymnast gymnast with <laughs> with strong runners. And that that that's all it feels like it's turning into now. Somebody said to me they want to recreate the American model. You have um the high school systems, their academies, then you have college, the universities, and after that, no sport exists. No sport. Yeah. Yes. So then you are just a spectator, so they can maximize premiership viewing, championship viewing, and internationals. Yeah, I mean doesn't do it for me. I'll be going out the golf course and yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of pubs on a Saturday evening that are going to be very pissed off if us community rugby players stop playing rugby because we're not allowed out to play. Um, yeah, I think I think we'll be banned from the whole show. Never mind. Oh just... yeah, yeah, we're, we're only banned from the weather speech at the minute, which isn't bad. Um, but Phil, be, before we wrap up, um, you said you had a story. Yeah, start this. Maybe leave us on something we can laugh at you at, as opposed to drown our misery. Oh yeah, well this this is an absolute ripper. Um, oh, no. I'd like to to start this with the fact that I love the NHS, um, and oh, my mother God. worked for the NHS for oh, thirty no. plus years, um, and I'm not a violent person. Oh, um, we've got an aggressive story, so, everybody. <laughs> as as we stated at the beginning of the podcast, I I broke my thumb couple of weeks ago um in a game and then we were at centre park so i didn't leave centre parks because ruth was already angry at me so <laughs> once we got home um went to the walking center and got an x-ray um the radiographer gasped at the state of my thumb which was always positive which is a lovely thing to hear um and i said oh it's broken and she was like yeah it's it's really bad um we'll get you into fresh clinic so I went to French French Clinic last Thursday, so um walked in and, and finally got to the doctor and he said, Right, um the way you've broken it, it's broken, twisted and bent forward. Ooh, so I'm gonna it? have to re break it and straighten it for you. So straight away I'm I'm pooping my pants. Um <laughs> And he says, normally that like, would we'll do a local anaesthetic, but you'd be waiting a couple of weeks if you want to do that. So we can do it on gas and air if you want. Um, so I was like, yeah, why, why not? Um, anything you, to... you are, man. Uh, well, it was more like, a, yeah, okay. Um, so basically walked into the plastering room. So basically we're going to re-break it, straighten it up, and then bang the plaster around it straight away. So he was like, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold your arm and your thumb because obviously you're gonna be wriggling a bit. Um, just try and focus on something out the window. Um, you know, just try to take your mind off it and and make sure you keep going on the gas and air. Now, a lot of people won't know, but I have bradycardia, so my resting heart rate's sort of 35 to, to 40. <laughs> and I forgot to tell them this. Uh, because once I had gas and air, my heart rate dropped down to around 20, and immediately I knew I was gonna pass out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I'm going I'm going to pass out and it hadn't even started <laughs> so he was obviously just like what is wrong with this lad <laughs> and just as I'm going um, I'm going I'm going I'm going and, and uh, I don't really remember any of this bit the porter apparently jumped across the porter's in there ready to catch me so the porter jumps across the room to catch me at the same time the doctor breaks my finger and starts ragging it back into place or breaks my thumb sorry and starts ragging it back into place and I've gone into fight mode. So 
I've obviously forgotten where I am and what's going on. And this porter's gone to grab me and catch me from falling forward out of this quite high plastering chair. And I've grabbed him and thrown him across the room. <laughs> <laughs> Under one of the beds at the end of the room. The other, the, the lady who's the plasterer, um, don't know the technical name. Um, she's kind of like, he tried to pin me down by the chest uh, and apparently I'm like kicking, I've kicked the doctor in the shin I've yeah, smashed the plaster across the room uh, this is all happens in about 5 to 10 seconds and obviously I'll just pass out and then I, I then remember coming back round, so I don't remember any of the chaos came back round feeling <laughs> kind of groggy um, and they were like, you're alright, you're alright, you're alright you're alright, and I'm like, oh, oh what's happening here, like the room is just covered in pasta, water there's a bloke under a bed <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh god, what's going on, they're like, oh you have just you've just gone off, and I was like oh my god, and immediately I was just like oh no, this is awful, because only two weeks before the um, 24 hours in A&E were in the QMC <laughs> oh, you've, you're on TV next aren't you? Well I was like, the cameras aren't here anymore, they were like, no, I was like, thank god for that and I was <laughs> very apologetic I'm like, I'm really sorry, like it's not what I'm like. I'm not aggressive. And they're like, oh, don't worry. You won't be the worst person today. And you didn't mean to do it. I was like, oh, yeah. God. But yeah, it was it was one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. Oh, and then not yeah. only that, but I was in my work gear. And so it's like chinos and jumper. And all my left-hand side was covered in of Paris. And then I had to walk from the QMC back to town, which is about two miles. Yeah. Covered in plaster of Paris. So Amazing. I've been in that plaster chair. And then plaster clinic nurses are fucking lovely. Like yeah, she is. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm in tomorrow. I'm taking some. I'm taking chocolates. Like I'm going full grovel mode tomorrow. Oh yeah, yeah. When I went, I broke my wrist, and someone had drawn a penis on my arm, and she said, "I didn't mean to hurt hurt your knob." I went, "That was right. It was only the helmet." And we we fell in love instantly. She was about <laughs> fifty on it. Um, Nick, thank you very much for coming on, mate. It's been a pleasure to talk um, to you. Um, thanks for being involved on the pod online as well. It, it's actually nice to. To speak to someone who follows us online as opposed to people who, who just want to get a bit of uh, screen time, George Billum. Um, so, yeah, I hope that the rest of the season goes well. Phil might have that cast off by the time he gets to face you, but if not, I think it's uh, I, th- I think it will be a good game anyway. But have a, rest, a good rest of the season and we'll talk to you in a bit. Because it's okay, guys. All the best. Thanks for Cheers, Nick. Cool. Uh, so that was Nick Dyson. Um, actually left when I said bye. That doesn't normally happen. Uh, I'll text him in a minute to say thank you. Um, but good pod. Yeah, good. You know, I've known Nick for quite a few years. Um, obviously, the last six years, I think we played Scunny at least once uh, <laughs> every year. I think we played him three times last year. Yeah. Um, well, var- three various different pitches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we played underwater. <laughs> Frozen ground and rock yeah. ground, yeah, amazing. So yeah, no, he's a lovely lad. He, he's he's someone who's quite involved, obviously, in in local rugby and community rugby, and, and has been a real good advocate for that. So it's good to get him on. Glad he reached out, and and yeah, you know, we would like more of the same from other people, I guess. Yeah, definitely. We've been a bit broken out, bro. Not not very good at recording, should we say? We've been very busy, um, but I think. Today shows us that it's it's good to get local lads back. Well, Midlands lads back on. Um, so we're aiming to do that 
Over well, I got, I got some positive feedback from the cameraman at Billingham on Saturday. About us? Yeah, he, he listens to the pod. Fucking hell, hello, hello, mate. cameraman from Billingham. Hello, cameraman from Billingham. How are you doing? Come on if you wish. Um, you just need to move a bit more south. Um, but Phil, before we go, have you got any wise words? Um, yeah, and it, it kind of goes nicely with what we spoke about today on the pod. Go on. Don't fix something if it isn't broken. Don't fix it if it's not broken. And if it is broken, don't punch your nurse. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It'd be great if someone just entered into that conversation is just don't punch your nurse. Um, (laughs) Grand. All right, then, mate. Well, I hope that recovers soon and we'll speak in a bit. Awesome. Hi. No, with the other hand. I know. (laughs)